Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to TC Live, your half-hour pregame show to get you ready for the second semifinal in Delray Beach between Taylor Fritz and Marco Skirone, guaranteed an All-American final for the fourth time in tournament history and first in nearly a decade. Fritz and Garone played for the fifth time at the tour level, eighth overall. Fritz has only dropped one of the matches. He is trying to become the first player to reach back-to-back Delray Beach finals since our guy James Blake. Here's what else is coming up on the big show. Another dynamic duo of American men faced off in Florida. Tommy Paul coming in on a real heater. See if Big Foe could be the ultimate foe on court. Plus, Carlos Alcaraz looking to make his first final since Cincinnati last year, but a jarring result that might shock you. Find out why there will be a new champ in Argentina. And Iga Sviantek is making her own history in Doha, how she was able to flip the script against Elena Rabakina and reign supreme for the third straight year. A lot to talk about today on TC Live. Come on in. Great to have you here with us, Steve Weisman. Back in between my friends, Prakash Amitraj and Coco Vandeweghe. It's Coco's last show of the week, Prakash. Say it ain't so. Save the tears. Save the tears. Save the tears. We can't ruin the show just yet. At the end, go ahead. Waterworks all galore. I got to do do commentary. I don't don't know how I'm going to keep my stuff together today. I I hope for the best. I mean, I did. I could have brought in the chocolates again from Valentine's Day, but... Unfortunately, I had a bite of every one of the chocolates to see if I liked it or not. Didn't eat all of them, but I, I did test. I'm, I'm not mad at that. Listen, I can't wait for the next time, but just for Steve and I's benefit, can we know, has it been good week for you? Of course. Have you enjoyed it? Of course. It? I mean, okay. I get a two-for-one special okay. here with you two every day. Come on. <laughs> All right, let's finish strong. Finish strong. It was a championship Saturday for the ladies in Doha. Let's take a look at this. The last couple years, that meant that Iga Sviantek would raise the trophy. Two years ago, she took out Annette Contivate, and last year, it was Jessie Pagula. A win today, and she will be the first woman since Serena Williams to have a three-peat at one event. Now, she has lost her last three matches against Elena Rabakina. The last time, though, they met in a final was seven years ago at a junior tournament in Milan. Sviantek said, quote, I was so stressed that there was live streaming on the internet and I just couldn't focus because of that. Well, guess what? A lot more cameras and a much bigger audience for the final today in Doha. But I think Iga has gotten used to that spotlight, Coco, looking to extend her 23 straight sets at this event. Uh, She's been quite unstoppable here at this event. This this day, though, was quite windy out there. And Rabakina getting up to a 4-1 lead, double break, lost it, lost it serving for the set as well. But this tiebreak was such a good tiebreaker, really well contested tiebreaker. But Swiatek changing it up with the back inside, still picking on the Rabakina forehand. As much as she is having that shot as a weapon, it still is the shot that breaks down more so than the backhand side. And once Iga gets that first set under her belt, it really demoralizes so many of these players. And she ran away with this second set, double break, and this nice little backhand overhead finish it off. 
See what it means to her first title of the season, 18th overall, seventh at the 1,000 level. In fact, she's won nearly 30% of the WTA 1,000 events she has entered. That passes Serena for the highest win rate in history. And now the first since Serena at Miami to go back to back to back at a single event. When she won Doha two years ago, it actually started a streak of 37 straight wins and seven titles in a row. Iga Sviantek talking about the stress of completing the 3 P. Oh my God, guys, you don't even know how hard it was not to think about it, you know? <laughs> I came here and I, I was just, you know, pretty stressed because of that, because I felt the expectations, but um, yeah, I wanted to just do everything step by step as I always do, and it, again, it worked. So uh, thank you, you know, to the team also to keeping me on the ground and focusing on the right stuff. Because um, yeah, achieving that is, uh, is great, you know? Um, I'm really happy and really proud of myself, so thanks. You can add Falconer to her resume. Now the proud owner, Coco, of three Golden Falcons. What a trophy that is. I mean, she's got to name the Falcons at this point. we got Falcon A, B, and C. <laughs> we, we got to get hear a name from you, Iga. But such a great event from Iga. She feels so comfortable there. And from a lackluster Australian Open on her terms, coming back out, her first event back, Getting back to what works well for Iga is so important, especially going in to the big U.S. swing of Indian Wells in Miami, where she has lots of points to defend. It seems like she's got points to defend everywhere. So it's great to see Iga back in her game, grinding when she has to on the, on the defense, especially against Rabakina, who hits the ball so big, but really just implementing her serve a lot better, getting lots of returns in the court. I think this is a great stepping stone tournament for Iga, and we're going to see her go deep in both Indian Wells Miami. A absolutely, Prakash. But this is a big win because she lost to Rabakina yep. all three times they played last year. W what was the difference today? Well, uh, well first, I, I think for a player like Iga, of course she is looking at the biggest events in the world, the Grand Slams, but this is an individual sport, so... You know, it's all about what you tell yourself. It's all about that narrative. You can have an unbelievable week losing the final. All of a sudden, you could be the most depressed person in the world. So to be able to put a little bit of pressure on yourself, trying to win three of these titles in a row, something that hasn't been done since Serena Williams. Yeah. And then to your point, beating Elena Robacana in a final, these are big deals, things you want to get over. And when you make it a big deal and you get over it, you start to create that really healthy narrative of really believing in yourself, which is exactly what she needs, as you said, moving into this hardcore swing. She's the world number one, but now even more confidence, beating Rabakina, getting a 1,000 title, first of the year, heading into a big stretch here on the tennis calendar. Meantime, the fellas in Delray Beach, four Americans in the semifinals for the first time ever. Tommy Paul, Francis Tiafoe meeting for the fourth time on tour. TP going for a seventh win in 11 days for Kosh. Man, I was really looking forward to this match, but from the get-go, from that break in the first game, it was one-way traffic. TP just looked so calm, cool, collected. You can see him chasing down that mediocre drop shot there, feeling it into the open court. Manages to get a second break over here, and uh, not showing a lot of emotion. These two guys are really good friends, but you can even see there from Francis just, you know, a little bit lackluster out there, perhaps a little lackadaisical, certainly not thrilled with his play. I mean, he's got a great overhead, and for him to miss this, you see the reaction here, that's that's what the day looked like. He was tremendously frustrated, not really stringing very much together. And check this out, when TP's doing that, mixing in the movement, flicking in the lefty forehand into that two-hander, curving it around, there just wasn't much to do. Paul converted all four great points that he had. Keeps that win streak alive. TP is a PTPer. Was asked about his level right now. A little bit more confidence to go after those shots on uh, break points or uh, deuce points. I mean that that always helps. Confidence is huge in 
in this sport. And uh, obviously, I mean, I'm playing well right now. Today, I think I played one of the best matches of the year, if not past two years, because uh, I didn't miss too many balls at all today. Uh, those are big words right there. Best matches of the past two years, Coco, what'd you think? I mean, let's not peak too early. We still have a final, but being a def uh, coming in from Dallas where he had just won the title, getting to another final on American soil is so huge for all the Americans, especially beating so many Americans along the way. And Francis Tiafo being such a big opponent for TP, it's always a big scalp to get getting Francis Tiafo out there. So I can't agree more with TP's assessment. I mean, this is a great moment for him, a great lineup going into the final potentially to play Taylor Fritz or Marcos Giron and he's got another chance to get two titles on his belt so early in this year I think this is going to be a great year for Tommy Paul yeah why not these these are always dicey matches you know when you're playing someone you know so well another player who is sort of jockeying for that top 10 of the Americans and they're, they're neck and neck the whole time and to be able to come out with a scoreline like this two and two it was so definitive that's one of those that that's going to be in your head next time you step on the court together so um, on top of all the things you said massive day for him Tiafu now has lost 11 of his last 19 matches since the U.S. Open how, how does he turn this around um, for his standards, that's, that's, that's quite poor. You know, I, I know he's not going to feel very good about that. And, and look, he's in a little bit of a slump. Mm. You know, I, th I think the first thing to do is to admit it, kind of figure out what's not going well for me. I'm not, I'm not uh, supposed to be losing this many matches in a row, especially in fashions like this. Last week was a bit of a one-sided affair as well with Marcos Giron, only won five games over there. Francis is better than that. So I think right now he's got to just do a little bit of mental regrouping. And uh, he's got massive opportunities coming up, Indian Wells and Miami. And the good news is on the tennis tour, you can have, you can have six, seven bad weeks in a row. You have one good <laughs> week. All of a sudden you just, you know, you it feel changes like it, everything. it changes everything. So I think he's got to keep that perspective. And, um, you know, the, the next confident uh, streak is just around the corner. No, I, th I think we can all say that we, we all love Big Foe. We love what he brings to the game. Yep. But I think it's been quite shocking just his level of performance, his level of want to be out there on the court against his fellow Americans on the American surfaces, even at Australia where he had so much success, especially being the kickstart of his year last year at Australia, to be able to perform as poorly as he did there as to his standards, I think he's really got to look at himself in the mirror. I couldn't agree more with you, Prakash, and just really be take an honest opinion of himself and what he's been doing on and off the court and say, this isn't working, this isn't who I am as a player, and let's reassess. It's still so early in the year. There's plenty of time no reason to hit the panic button, but it is really time to take a serious look in the mirror to really change this year round. And I, and I think he knows very well that, listen, I, I am a consistent top 10 player. And, and I think the results will show that uh, once his game catches up mentally, physically, and emotionally. Yeah, he just can't have these players thinking that he can be an easy scalp as a top tenner. He's got to really knuckle down. And, and, I mean, we can talk about it till we're blue in the face how much we want Big Foe yeah. to be at the top of the game and contending for slams. But he's got to want it for himself. Just for perspective, this was a semifinal. Yeah. So it's, it's not like he's losing first round. Let's not panic, no, 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 everybody. No, 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 absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. He's in the final four. And glass half full, like you said. Listen, all he needs is one good week. Correct. He's right back in there. All right, let's go to Rotterdam. Uh, no troubles for Yannick Sinner. This is a guy going for his 14th straight win, second straight final, taking on Talon Greeksport. Prakash, this is a rematch, actually, from last year. It certainly is. And, and first couple points here, Yannick showing exactly why he is, he is, I think he's making a run for that top spot. He looks like he has absolutely no weaknesses here, moving so well to that side there. Look at how strong his outside leg is when he's getting those balls, both on that and on the drop shot. He's so comfortable now, even when he's pushed. That firm upper body strength and stable lower body when you're in a 
sort of an unstable shot like that has just been exceptional for him. That, coupled with his power, has just been a tough combination. He's now anticipating well, and his movement is still so exceptional. Getting to so many balls, getting behind the ball, allowing his power to come through. Greek Sport doing a little bit of a better job, getting aggressive in the second set, hanging on to his serve, but couldn't do it for the majority of the set. That's when Sinner made his move, broke it for all, and uh, comfortably served it out with that weapon. Yeah, that, that serve is a thing. It's a beast. This, this, guy, this guy's gonna get to number one this year. I'm just gonna say it. Uh, 16th tour level final, now 11-0 on the season for the young Italian. Alex Dimonor turned 25 years old today. Happy birthday. Last year had his birthday ruined by Grigor Dimitrov in Rotterdam. This year they would meet again, Coco, and the Aussie wanted a little celebration. Yeah, he talked about it, how rude it was of Dimitrov, and Dimitrov being one of the nicest guys on tour, how rude it was that he ruined his birthday last year, so trying to make amends for that. But Dimonor coming out in that first set, really ripping his forehand, taking it to Dimitrov, and Dimitrov in the second set trying to be so precise with every shot. And this was honestly the point of the match. Such a back and forth and just a classical point of what Dimonar does to his opponents. Wears them down physically and then breaks their hearts afterwards. I mean, he's just relentless all around the court. And Dimitrov having to be so precise to even get one ball by Dimonar. He is just a great brick wall. Oh, the Demon had 14 winners to just four unforced errors. Said, this is my standard. This is what I got to bring every single time I walk on the court. He is into his 15th ATP final. It'll be Sinner Demonor. Well, Jari not sorry. Nicholas Jari sending shockwaves throughout South America. We will break down the upset of the week against Carlos Alcaraz. And as we continue our celebration of Black History Month, we honor one of the greatest to ever step foot on a tennis court. Hall of Famer and pioneer Althea Gibson. Aggressive, dynamic, mean. That's how Althea Gibson described her playing style. As one of the most important superstars of the 20th century, her influence is better defined by words like pioneer and hero. Althea Gibson was a natural athlete. She played basketball, boxing, and paddle tennis before finding her way to the American Tennis Association and the Cosmopolitan Club. It didn't take long for Gibson to emerge as a dominant force, one who would not be contained by the era's segregationist tennis structure. In 1950, at the age of 23, Gibson made history by breaking the color barrier at the U.S. National Championship. She became the first black player to ever step foot on the courts at Forest Hill. But this was no token accomplishment. Althea Gibson played to win, and she did. Even as the racial tumult of the 1950s swirled around her, she became one of the best players the game had ever seen. In 1956, she became the first African-American to win a Grand Slam title. In 1957 and 1958, she won Wimbledon and the U.S. Nationals. In 1958, the Associated Press named her the Female Athlete of the Year. Her history-making, stereotype-shattering career included 11 Grand Slam victories, five singles titles, five doubles titles, and one mixed doubles title. That sterling resume earned her induction into the International Tennis Hall of Fame, the Black Tennis Hall of Fame, and the Black Athletes Hall of Fame. Thank you, Nick. Not only was she a tennis star, Althea Gibson was the first African-American on the LPGA Tour as well. Actually has that statue you just saw outside Arthur Ashe Stadium where the creator said her shoulder is exposed 
because that's the shoulder that everybody since has stood on. Our Black History Month features are available at TennisChannel.com, and the celebration continues on Sunday with another tribute. Still to come here on TC Live, why was this man jumping over a wall in Doha? We're giving that kind of effort every day. What's your code, P? Back after this. Coco Prakash, Steve, back on TC Live. The world's top men and women returning to tennis paradise in Indian Wells for what some call the fifth major. Do not miss complete first ball to last ball live coverage of the BNP Paribas Open right here on Tennis Channel. You've got TC Live every day, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. local, with me, Prakash, Coco, Lindsay Davenport, Chanda Rubin, and more. It all starts Wednesday, March 6th. Well, top seed Carlos Alcaraz was trying to defend his title in Buenos Aires, facing Nicolas Jari. The Chilean had taken a set off Alcaraz in each of their previous matches. Prakash, he would do more than that. Certainly would. Didn't come in intimidated at all. High quality level for a set, but it was just sort of an error-strewn tiebreak from Carlos Alcaraz that gave away that first set breaker, really. Not much of a fight. 7-2. Jari doing a good job keeping his composure there in that first set. Second set, Jari off to a break here. He went through a battle trying to hold it here. It was Alcaraz that really put up a strong fight here. Coming up with a brilliant forehand pass on the run there. Deuce, another brilliant point. Jari just doing his best to attack. Continues staying on the front foot. And a marvelous roll. Topspin lob up the line. Alcaraz asking for the crowd to let me hear it. But it wasn't enough. Jari kept fighting back. Staved off the break points. Again, a deuce finding his way into an aggressive spot. Holding the forehand here. Going short inside out. Forcing the error, and you don't see this every day. Frustration from Carlos Alcaraz, one of the best I've ever seen in my life, body language-wise. And at the end of the day, it was the persistence and aggression from Jari and that spectacular forehand that uh, got the job done. Could have been a dangerous racket throw there from Carlitos. Biggest win of his life for Nico Jari. He'll move to a career-high 17 in the world if he takes the title there in Argentina. And Ooh. He's guaranteed to face somebody from Argentina in the final, either the wild card, Facundo Diaz Acosta or Federico Correa Coco. Yes, Correa getting the special exempt nod into this tournament, meaning that he did well the week before. He made quarters the week before, but he really came out flat after being up 2-0 in this first set. Just really didn't have the legs in him anymore, and that can happen in this clay court swing. The clay just really can take the legs out of you. And playing a lefty, is so tough, and Diaz Acosta, he is so good when he has time with the forehand, able to hit the winner there. But going into the second set, we thought we would see a bit of a push from Correa, but he just really didn't have enough in it. And the lefty really just taking advantage with the change of direction with his forehand all throughout this match. He had only won four tour-level matches in his career before this week. Facundo Diaz Acosta. Now FDA approved. He is into the final, taking on Nicholas Jari. So let's take a look at the live rankings with Grigor Dimitrov losing today. We are guaranteed to have some ATP history on Monday. For the first time ever, nobody with a one-handed backhand will appear in the top 10, Prakash. What do you think about that? Well, listen, I'm, I'm holding by my opinion. I, I, I think Sinner, Alcaraz, Holger Runa, that age group down, I think the one-hander might be going the way of the dinosaurs. I think we're going to be looking at fossils in decades from now, looking back, talking about they used to 
they used to not have another hand on the racket? When, when did that happen? I'm, I'm buying my history book now so I can use it as a collector's <laughs> edition, you know, because this it's true, Prakash. Like, it's the one-handed backhand. Unfortunately, I'm a lover of the one-handed yep. backhand. I, I love watching it. I wanted to have a one-handed backhand. And we can't forget Mr. Unknown backhand. We can't <laughs> let that die out here. We got. We want to see a resurgent. Maybe Musetti will be able yeah. to re- recreate it, reincarnate Shop the one-handed backhand. But... You know, I think I think as Prakash said, it's it's going to the wayside. I, I will. I, I do need to agree with you though on how much I love it. I mean, I still go back and find myself on YouTube watching old matches from the 90s, the 80s because it was just such a beautiful stroke and had a lot. I think more artistry than the two-hander, but. The way the courts are going, so much slower, a lot more homogenized, all the different surfaces, and the slower balls. I just don't think the one-hander can do as much damage as a two-hander. And to clarify, it's not that Tsitsipas, Dimitrov, Musetti, whoever, won't get back into the top right, 10 at some point. It's just younger than it's that age younger. group, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I'm, I don't think players, young kids, are looking at today's game and not thinking, oh, Sinner, Alcaraz, that's the apex of how I want to play. Yeah. The players you mentioned, they were growing up watching the game at a different time. Absolutely. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, dinosaurs, fossils, <laughs> all that Man. stuff. It's history. You know, archaeologists are going to find, you know, Wilson like, Prostash. Like, you know, <laughs> turn, turn the, the 98, 95 is going to the wayside, you know? It's just so going to get bigger. He played with an 85, oof, you know? Ooh, forget ah. that. That's That just hurts my elbow hearing about that. Wait, but so you wanted to have a one-handed back end. Oh, who, yeah. Who told you no? Both of us. Well, I, I I'm naturally left-handed, so... The, uh. the coaches I had couldn't quite figure out my two-handed backhand because I was so left-hand dominant with it. So I was like, screw it. Let's learn how to have a one-handed backhand. That's how I learned how to slice, but I wasn't strong enough to come over it. I mean, a young, a young Coco just didn't have, <laughs> didn't have the muscle, didn't have the strength. I'm not mad at it. Even these days, I get out there front, you know, I hit the one-y. You, you, know, you, you have I, a good I have no one It's very smooth. See, Weissman just <laughs> little buttering me up before I get in the booth. Love it. All right, let's see what's trending on social media right now. We teased this earlier. Uh, a fan jumping over a wall. What was he doing? Why was he doing that? Well, look at that. Elena Rabacano was hitting some souvenirs into the stands, and this man just sacrificing life and limb, Coco, to get that uh, that tennis ball. Uh, just taking super fan to another level right there. I mean, that's 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 too much desperation for me. I mean, pack it up, go home, wash it off, you know. Coco. You take your lumps. Yeah. I'm sorry. Coco, I'm sorry. You don't know about these Elena Robachina fans. I mean, some of them are hard, ardent fans. You I mean, I they... wish I had fans like that diving for balls. <laughs> I, that's, that, that's just jealousy coming out of, out of me. Listen, I, I, I wish I could see some of the players with that kind of effort on the court. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's exceptional over there. So you you respect the effort, Prakash. He's not doing too much here. Weissman, you know me. It's like, <laughs> if you're not going to give that kind of effort, you stay in bed. Oof. I don't okay. care. I don't care what you're doing. If you're going out for a cheat meal, you're going out for a workout, you're going out to get one of Elena Robachina's fan balls, you give it that kind of over-the-top effort. Shouldn't he give it to it's those set. two kids, though? Well, like, never, yeah, this is never, a never, no, man. no, we don't, we, Steve, we what? know, we know, we don't care about the kids out here. First come, first serve, you know, you got to steal what you can. Coco don't care about the kids. Come on. about the kids. If the kids we want it, the they're going to fight for it. Come on, let's see a little Listen, fight. I, I'm all about the kids, and you should give the ball to the kids, <laughs> but if you're about to, like, almost get cement right in between your eyes on the forehead, you know, all that effort, you better keep that ball. You better frame it. You better put it in your living room, you know? I don't know if she's. Did she even sign? I don't think she signed. Just a ball. (laughs) Literally just a tennis ball. It gets worse. Look at how proud he is.
Look at how proud he is walking. I love the girl in yellow just covering her face like, oh, she knew it was a bad fall. It, was, it wasn't a soft one. A shout, a shout for the technique, though. Look at him brace on the other wall as he goes down. I don't know. We don't see, like, the finish. <laughs> no. No, that was, that was a pancake situation. There's no recovery from face, this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This mount was not ideal. <laughs> they, they, are they serving drinks over there? He might have been a little laced. Shannon you know? Miller would not approve. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, it is time to go to break. We have seen this man fall over a wall one too many times. Here's what's coming up on a championship Sunday edition of Center Court. The action from Dubai actually begins 2 a.m. Eastern. That's the start of the WTA tournament there. And then we got the final from Rotterdam, 9.30 a.m. Eastern. Buenos Aires, 2 p.m. Delray Beach, 3 p.m. And we are here to wrap it all up. TC Live, 5 o'clock Eastern. Back after this. It's that time, hot shot of the day, and we go back to Rotterdam. Who wants it? Well, big striking from both players, but then a center with the grease lightning speed and the Coco Vandeweghe hands oh. to curl things away for the winner off that backhand side. Check out the quiet lower body <laughs> and the stable upper body. What do you think? Go have the form. I mean, call me grease lightning. I love it. <laughs> Throwback with that. I mean, I wish. I just wish I had everything that center possessed in that point. The slide, the glide, the hands. I mean, the I hair? just want it all. The hair, I'm okay with. Okay. I, I don't, I don't need the ginger hair. I, I'm good with, I'm good with what I got. I, I just, I just want the Gucci backpack and then. Oh, yes. don't forget you know, that. I mean, he's, well. he's got the, he's got the whole line of it. A list, and he deserves them all. He does. He's a major champion. All right, this is the second semifinal that we are leading up to in Delray Beach. Taylor Fritz looking for his 12th ATP Tour final, first since Atlanta last year. Marcos Giron. Trying to go back-to-back -back after losing to Tommy Paul in Dallas last week. Third overall final. Let's break it down. It's going to be Fritz and Garone for the right to meet Tommy Paul. So we could have a repeat final from Dallas. Yep. What are the keys to this matchup? I think for Garone, he's been doing a really good job uh, this week of hugging the baseline and directing the play with his forehand. He's taken it up the line nicely. He's run around, crushed it inside out. He hasn't gotten too far back behind the baseline. I think that's going to be the biggest key for him because he's not getting a whole ton of free points on his first serve. He's doing a great job serving a good game, getting a lot in, setting up that forehand. If he starts to get lower on the percentages and execution there, I think that's when Taylor's going to jump on it because Taylor played a lot better in that previous match than he did in the opening match against Borges. No, yeah, Taylor's only getting better and better as the match goes on. And what Taylor needs to do well out there is to get a high first serve percentage and wins off the first serve. Marcos gets a lot of returns back in play. He's able to neutralize everyone's first serve. And we've seen it time and time again in all of his matches of his ability of just being able to stay in points. And that can frustrate a big server. I know that for myself, that anytime someone was getting an extra ball back or making returns that I thought that's a clean ace or an unreturnable, it just got more and more frustrating and it kept building and building all through the match. So if Marcos can just keep needling Taylor, he's going to have a shot out there. Taylor has also done a great job implementing a few new tools in his game over the last six months, most notably that drop shot. He's gotten really comfortable. His forehand is such a big weapon that when you got your opponent backing off a little bit, he comes in off that short ball and plays the drop shot. I think that's a shot that can do some real damage against Marcos because, again, Marcos wants to be dictating play from the baseline. He doesn't exactly want to be coming front, not on his own terms. So watch for that shot to be executed today. One thing we saw earlier today, when you play a fellow countryman, right? I mean, Francis Tiafo did not bring the game against Tommy Paul. You've played a lot of women from America. It's, it's a different atmosphere out there. Oh, it's definitely a pride factor that's always out there, especially when you're playing in the States. It's, it's never easy. It's always difficult to play your friends, and, and everyone has grown up with each other. Taylor, Marcos, 
Francis and Tommy, they all grew up together. They know each other. Francis and, I mean, sorry, Taylor and Marcos, being both from San Diego, grew up playing juniors together, grew up training together. I know that for myself because I watched both of them grow up and train. And I gave, I only gave Marcos a nod. Taylor, Taylor was just on the babysitting. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I left it there. Didn't babysit Marco. <laughs> I mean, his dad never let me okay. whoop Taylor down. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I worked so many hours with you, but you never let me beat down Taylor. I, I, I wanted that moment. <laughs> yeah, to, to, to that point, I'm sorry you didn't get to babysit Marco. Also, uh, <laughs> but to that point, um, I think it's a little bit of a different dynamic here with Taylor and Marcos in that Taylor's been the better player pretty much all throughout, as you talked about, from juniors into the pro tour. Tommy and Francis, they're they're pretty neck and neck. So there is a little bit of a sense of, you know what, if I lose, it's going to hurt. But, uh, okay, that's respectable here. I think there is more pressure on Taylor in that, you know what, I got to come out there, continue this dominant head-to-head -head and take him out. Garon, on the other hand, he's been playing such great tennis. Beating the top American like this might be a way to insert himself into that top American conversation. He's going to be at a career high no matter what yep. after this event, which is a big deal for him. Uh, who has impressed you more on their way to the semifinal round? Oh, Marcos. I, uh, there was plenty of matches where he didn't look as clean as, as he had all through Dallas, but the way he was able to dismantle each and every one of his opponents, he definitely faced a lot of different caliber of opponents, different game styles, but he was always just a solid player that he is. Nothing ever wavered from him. He didn't get too upset with himself. And I always have to admire someone that can stay even keeled and manage those tough situations because every day on a tennis court isn't easy and it's not always fun. But how you get through those tough situations really is the heart and soul of every player out there. And, and the top players, as we looked at with Pliskova, it, it's it's easier to win a tournament, go to the next place and start winning again because you're used to it. You have to be used to it in order to be in the top 20 and the top 10 and so forth. Garon had a brilliant week last week. It's so easy to feel, oh, wow, I had a great week. Take the foot off the gas just a little bit. But he came back, Coco, just like you said, right back to work. Had a little bit of a tougher match with Manorino this week than he did in Dallas. But after he lost that second set, right back to work, played such a strong yeah. third set. So I love the way where, where his mental is at. And as you talked about, you're sitting around a career high. That, that, that's when you got to be feeling the best about your game. Yeah, and he does have one win against Taylor yep. two years ago in Dallas. So can can harken back to that and the fact that, yes, I've beaten this guy before. Uh, we got a couple finals tomorrow we want to talk about as well. In Buenos Aires, listen, we thought Carlos Alcaraz would be in it. it he's not. Nico Jari. And uh, we're going to go FDA, Facundo Diaz Acosta. What did you call me? FDA. FDA approved. <laughs> what? Uh, any letdown for for uh, Jari after getting the biggest win of his life? I don't think so. You know, after he took that first set, he he just seemed really focused. He didn't seem like this whole week he got too up or too down. I love the way he's playing. He's finding so many forehands out there. And even when he's missing a few volleys at net, it's been a little shaky at times. He continues to press, continues to find his way forward. And I think he just has a bigger game than Diaz. He, you know, with that big serve. Consistently, I, I think he's going to be in the driver's seat in more points. So I'd like the Chilean to um, come out with a title. I think the only difficult part is when you are in Argentina playing a, fel a countryman, you're not only playing against the countryman, you are playing against the whole stadium. Yep. And that is never easy. I've played against Argentina, and they are loud, and they will make you <laughs> feel every mistake. I mean, you miss a first serve, and it's just like, oh, you already double-faulted at that point. So it's, it's going to be an uphill climb for Jari, but I think he is the better player out there. I think he will come out on top. All right, let's talk about that final in Rotterdam. we got Yannick Sinner, Alex Dimonor, head-to-head 6-0 for Yannick Sinner. He's won almost every set as well, but...
Alex Demonor, he's top 10 player right now. He's a nine in the world. This is the best tennis he's ever played. What, what, what does he need to do to break through against center? I mean, Alex is playing the best tennis of his career and in his whole career, what he's done so well has been such a wall out there. He really doesn't falter in his game. His his depth on ball has been so good all through this tournament. And when you don't have as much punch as all as Sinner does with the pace and the power, the depth can counteract that and rush your opponents, especially indoors. That helps a lot to be able to have some looseness after serve because the serve is weaker. As much as he has improved the pace on serve, it's still his weak point, but I think Yannick Sinner is just going to be too hard to beat in this tournament. I think they're both playing exceptional tennis. Here's my issue. From yeah. those six matches that they've already played, from wherever they were at that point, Sinner's improved this much, and Demonor's improved to get into the top ten, but he's improved this much. Mm. Sinner's playing at a different level right now, and I think X's and O's-wise, there's not too many places where Demonor has the advantage. As you talked about, Ko, I think Sinner's going to be serving a lot bigger, so he's going to hold serve easier. He's going to be in more of Demonor's games, because I don't know if Demonor can serve as big to be able to hold, hold even with him. So I'm definitely leaning towards the Italian, but Demonor, he, he's got this crazy self-belief about him. And when I say crazy, I mean that in, in the highest level of uh, uh, compliment. Um, he believes he can take out anyone regardless of who's on the other side of the court. So who knows? That could be a little X factor. So, so that's, he's got a little dog in him. No, 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 I don't think so. Oh. I think he's got a massive amount of dog in him. I mean, he, he, he's got Pitbull, he's got all dog in him. Okay, so, so dog meter, who's higher? <laughs> oh, ooh, ooh. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put my opinion out there. Okay. I'm gonna say Demonar, bigger dog out there because he has more to go and get. Where Sinner has so many intangibles, he's got the big weapons, he can hit so many different shots. Where Demonar, he's got to grind, he's got to fight, he's got to steal somebody's food out there to be able to hang with the other dogs. You know what? First, that is just <laughs> such a good take. Let's Let go. me give you a little song over Let's there. Now, Last now, show, I'm showing my best right you know, now. You know what? You know what? I'm just because that was such a brilliant answer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with that. I think at the Aussie Open, I saw more dog from Sinner than, than I ever have, mm -hmm. and that combined with his game is just exceptional. But because I think, as you said, Deminar perhaps a little less game, but still, you know, he's still growling out there. Mm -hmm. So we might give the we might give the dog title to Deminar. I, th I think he could get that. Undersized? I mean, like, right? He's, he's the run of the litter in, in this group. He's got to fight. He's got to be that yeah, dog. Always. He's got to be that dog. And now he's, he's a top 10 dog. But you're still picking Sinner to win. I'm still picking Sinner <laughs> yes, to win. Yes, I am too. I, no, no, I am too. At 100%. The end of the day. I'm, all my love and confidence and, and, and in the way Deminar fights, but I'm going with the Italians. All right, final thoughts on the match you're about to call with Mark Knowles, Taylor Fritz, Marcos Giron. I'm leaning towards Taylor. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think Giron's going to play a good match. I, I think it's it, it might be a tight couple of sets, but just the way Taylor played in his last round, he looked really sharp. When he's crunching that first serve and really getting behind that forehand, it's one of those where there's not a whole lot the opponent can do. All the opponent can do is bring enough heat to stay close with him, try to create a little pressure. So the beginning of the match, it's going to be really important. And I think Giron would also do well to extend the rallies. You know, he's got he's got those great legs out there. Make Taylor kind of kind of you know test his endurance out there. Not easy to do because Taylor's able to create so many opportunities. But um, I think that's what he's got to do, leaning towards the number one American. I mean, Quadzilla out there, he's got to make Quadzilla. make 
make Fritz run, but I, I can't agree with you more. There's so many intangibles that Taylor has that it's going to be hard for Marcos to be able to break each and every one of them down. And the only way he can do that is just keep pestering Taylor by getting so many balls back where Taylor starts feeling like my shots aren't moving through the court well enough, and that makes him press even more and more. And that's the only way Marcos is going to get Taylor off his mark because he's looking far too good. So I, I agree with you, Prakashi. It's going to be Taylor, T. Fritz all the way. And, and, and uh, if you're Marcos, establish that early, yep. right? I mean, even just, just for the heck of it, in the beginning of the match, get out there in a 30-ball rally. You know, uh, come back to the next point quick. Don't take too much time to get your breath back. Send a message across saying, you know what? I'm willing to stay out here. It's going to be a long night. I think those little mind games also hugely beneficial in a match like this. Of course. I mean, you have to show your opponent that early on, especially when you're the lower-ranked player, that I'm here to compete, I'm here to beat you, I'm here to take your lunch money. And I think Marcos has a little bit more of that grit in him to be able to accomplish that. And I think if he can just implement that, show the American number one that, hey, you're the top dog, but I'm coming for your title. I think if he gets under Taylor's skin, and keeps on pestering him and just a couple fist pumps in the face. I mean, you can do it in any which way. It's as much as tennis is, is going to be the outlier of just game style and the ability that, abilities that Taylor has, just getting in someone's head that little bit, that intangible, can be Taylor's breaking point. She just brought out the dog and me with that. You know? Goodness, so I love good. it. I love it. Just a couple kids from Southern California. Prakash gave you some love earlier. Great week, Coco, as Thank always. Uh, safe travels back in just a couple I'm hours. I'm going back to San Diego. A couple, couple I, I, hours I'm going to be a San Diego again. <laughs> but we'll see you at Indian Wells and uh, look forward to that. Yeah. And we are looking forward to this match. There is Marcos Giron coming onto the court in Delray Beach to take on Taylor Fritz. Prakash going to run into the booth. Join Mark Knowles for the call of this second semifinal. Tommy Paul awaits the winner of this match for Coco Prakash, our entire team. I'm Steve Weissman. Thanks for watching TC Live and enjoy the semifinal from Delray Beach.